Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the SaaS Marketing Show with me, your host, Dylan Hay. This is the podcast where we interview the leading marketers at some of the best SaaS companies in the world and find out some of the secrets to their success. And this week on the show, we interview Casey Hill, who is the head of growth at Bonjuro. Now, some of you may remember we had the CMO from Bonjuro on episode two of the SaaS Marketing Show a long time ago talking about affiliate marketing. But this time around, we are talking about how Bonjuro have generated close to $100,000 from Quora marketing in the last 10 months. Now, Quora is a platform that a lot of SaaS companies often ask me about and don't have the most insight to. So this episode was extremely practical with Casey sharing all of his Quora knowledge with us. So I know for a fact you're going to love this one. And if you do enjoy the episode, I would really appreciate it if you could go ahead and leave a rating or a review in the podcast store or wherever you are listening to the show. Um, Before we start rolling in the clip, I want to just quickly talk about this week's amazing sponsor. They've sponsored the show for a long time now, and that is Restream. So Restream allows you to broadcast live, engaging video directly from your browser to 30 plus social networks all at the same time. They power over 8 million live streams every single month and are trusted by companies like Cisco, IBM, and Microsoft. And more importantly, whenever we go live at Hey Digital, we always use Restream. They have a great free plan that you can use to test it out. And if you sign up using our special link, you'll receive a $10 credit on your account. So that link is restream.am forward slash Dylan. Once again, that's restream.am forward slash Dylan. So if you're thinking about doing some more live content, I really would recommend you check out Restream. Now let's roll today's episode with Casey from Bonjuro talking all about how they've driven close to $100,000 in sales from Quora Marketing over the last 10 months. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the SaaS Marketing Show. So today we're joined by Casey Hill, who is the head of growth over at Bonjuro. And you might remember back in episode two of the SaaS Marketing Show, so a long time ago now, we interviewed Ollie, who is now the CMO at Bonjuro, and we talked about the success that they've had with their like B2B SaaS influencer or affiliate program. And this time around, we're talking with Casey all about Quora, which I'm very excited about. So for anyone who didn't listen to that second episode, Bonjuro is a platform that allows you to send perfectly timed, personalized videos to help better convert, onboard, and support your customers. Casey, I'm excited to have you here today. Welcome to today's show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Dylan. I'm excited to be here. No problem. So today, as I said briefly in the kind of in the beginning, we're going to be talking about Quora and more specifically how you at Bonjuro and some other businesses have generated like around $100,000 in revenue from Quora over the last 10, 12 months or so. And I'm really keen to jump into this because running Hey Digital, a paid agency that works specifically with SaaS companies, like Quora as a platform is a question that comes up often. And just being real, we don't really run too many we, I actually don't think we run any Quora ads for any of our clients right now and don't like don't, don't really know a ton about, or I don't know as much about the platform as I do for LinkedIn or Google or other places. But I do see every so often a really big kind of success story come up on LinkedIn or somewhere else of someone seeing wins with Quora. And that's why we connected to talk about this today because I know that you've seen some good wins there. So before we jump into the kind of approach and strategy, 
just a quick touch on Bonjuro. I was looking at my notes from the the second episode, so these might be a little bit outdated. I'm not too sure, but for everyone listening, Bonjuro was, I believe, last year one of the top ten fastest growing apps on Zapier. And at the time we did the last interview, Ollie shared with me that we were at like over 40,000 users, averaging around 1,500 signups a month. We don't have to go into depth as to how that's changed, but just to set the scene for everyone listening, that's the, the spot that you guys were in a few months back and I'm sure have, have grown since then. So anything, is there anything like to add to that, Ollie? Like, uh, sorry, Casey, is there anything that we need to add on to what Ollie, Ollie shared with us before or are we... That sounds that sounds accurate. We've definitely continued to grow. I'd say that we're closer now from that fifteen hundred closer to two thousand to two thousand five hundred in terms of like new trials that are being generated on a monthly basis. But yeah, the team's been growing. We've been hiring some new people. We've been getting some new devs. One really cool thing on the Bonjuro front is we actually launched an internal integration with Active Campaign. And what that means is we actually built into Active Campaign's interface. So if you go inside their system and you like set up an automation campaign, we're actually internal to their app, which is pretty cool. So that's we've always been kind of integration focused, but that's the deepest integration we've done with another player thus far, actually building into their app. So that was a pretty cool thing. We actually dropped that last week. Wow. I, so I'm super excited to just hear about that because we've just started rolling out and using active campaign for a lot of things ourselves. So I'm going to go and check that straight after this, because after I did the first podcast with Ollie, we actually talk about Bonjuro every so often to some of our customers when they're asking about ways that they can be improving their, their trial sign up to like demo booking ratio or getting just more, some more engagement in their, in their products, for example. And Celia, my co-founder and I have always been like, right, when there's a, when there's the right time, is something that we should definitely test out. So for, for us, actually, we're just starting for the first time ever with some like email, outbound email campaigns and some outreach campaigns and just trying to identify some other scalable acquisition channels because we've had so much growth as an agency and everything's just been through inbound through LinkedIn content, which is awesome. And now we're at a spot where it's be interesting to see what else we can play around with to grow that. But I'm always trying to do things a little bit differently and like, when even for example when people schedule an episode on coming on this show i think a bonjuro like message would be great because for example when you booked you came into our active campaign uh, i know that we booked this fairly recently so there might not have been too many emails that went out to you but like we have a whole flow set up in in active campaigns i'm super excited to check to check that out actually after after we finish this yeah it's, um, it's, it's a great it's a great one and another thing too actually i just thought of is we just launched to our use case series which maybe i'm biased towards because i'm the one writing it but I'm super stoked. Basically, we're interviewing like all of our biggest power customers and taking out the specific videos they use, the specific process. So we're like opening up the canvas of, hey, because people see personal video and they're like, this is cool, but how do I use it? So we're going in and we're showing like, how do you, you know, decrease your demo no-shows? How do you increase your conversions? How do you increase your customer lifetime value from this cohort? And like really getting into those nuts and bolts, which that's another thing. Definitely encourage people to check out if they're uh, yeah, interested in Bonjour. It's a cool one. Yeah, I really think people should check that out. Like I, I remember when I did the first episode with Ollie, that was one thing that I really took away from the episode. And I know, I think that's been one of our most like listened to episodes. Maybe I can't remember, I'd have to check, but people seem to really enjoy that one. Yeah, that's awesome. But let's talk about Cora then. So maybe do you want to set the scene a little bit as to at what point did you decide to start experimenting with Cora or what did that process what did that process look like when you first decided, okay, let's try Cora? Because I know a lot of early stage, like super early stage, found, I, I see in the like SaaS Facebook groups and everything else, usually the people that talk about Cora 
no disrespect to them or anything, but usually it's like the one man show when they're first getting started and they're just trying everything and anything. But it sounds like obviously you guys are way past that point. We all know that. So I'm interested to find out how it's working from a success perspective for you, which we'll get to. But yeah, how did you start? Yeah. And so just also as a quick note, I don't know if we've, I'll just do a really high level view of Cora for anyone who might not be familiar. So Cora is essentially a question and answer platform that exists. And basically people ask questions like, how do I reduce uh, churn for my SaaS business? And then other people answer that. And depending on the popularity of that question, that kind of dictates how much traffic will get directed in that, uh, to that answer. So basically the way I got started, I was working for an inbound marketing company called Entreport. I was basically in the sales department and we had some people in the marketing department who were writing answers on Quora. And essentially what they were doing is just repurposing blog content in a sense. They were taking blog answers and they were reposting those blog answers to Quora. And they were getting some views, but it really wasn't you know, super effective. And I was looking, I really writing and I'd been looking for ways to dabble and get more involved in that. And so I'd ask them like, Hey, is it cool if I start writing some core answers? And so I started sharing some insights about SaaS sales. I targeted that group and was getting in there and talking about managing your pipeline and my experience as an SDR and then an AE and just talking about all this kind of stuff. Very quickly after a couple of weeks, I started getting actually a ton of attention onto my answers. And by the one month mark, I think I had already gotten more views on my answers than the dedicated team members had in about six months. And they're like, oh, well, Casey might be onto something. And I think that the biggest thing for me as a starting point, and I guess this is maybe an initial point of advice, is Quora is a very conversational platform. So one of the first things I think that started to give me traction is we started to deviate away from repurposing. Quora is not designed for repurposing your blog content. That's not the style of the platform. That's not what people want to read. That's not what the algorithms reward. So by going in there and giving kind of personal examples, hey, this was my journey as an SDR. Here's the hurt. That is the kind of style that Quora liked. And so pretty soon, I'd gotten on there. I got to, you say, 50,000 views. I was like, this is cool. I was getting some attention. And at that point, there was really no monetary benefit or effect. But it was just this thing that I got into a habit of. Frankly, I enjoyed writing. I enjoyed the fact that it was cool. People were checking out my content. And so it just became a thing that every day I would get on there and just write a handful of answers. And I was probably writing. we We went from maybe repurposing one or two blog posts per week to I was probably writing maybe five answers a day. Uh, seven days a week. So I started basically producing a good kind of body of those answers. And then at that point, I started to think, man, I wonder if I could push this even harder. So I started to get more involved. I started to look at other niches and I started to try to figure out the platform a little more robustly. And Quora has a couple mechanisms designed within it. So one of them is like spaces. So essentially you have, there's a space called the SaaS, like a SaaS marketing. I actually don't know the exact name off the top of my head, but like the SaaS marketing something where basically it has, you have a pool of say 5,000 followers and you can write an answer and then you can redistribute it into that space to get increased attention. So I started to get involved with these spaces and you can almost think of these spaces as like mini forums. They're not really back and forth. They're just for publishing content, but people go there to digest specific content. So suddenly I realized, hey, I could write an answer about some specific thing in either SaaS marketing or SaaS sales. I could start to proliferate it on these five channels, then 10 channels, then 20 channels. As I started to learn more of the places that people were going, I started to learn what spaces were the most active. 
And through that, I started to then be able to balloon the impact of this. And I also, through this, started to meet people because these channels essentially have admins and they have designated contributors and they have people that run these channels. So I started to kind of segue from just producing content myself and whoever found it to proliferating content, starting to do a little bit on the networking side, starting to meet people that were in this world that were either, again, people that were running SaaS marketing departments. There's a lot of people that essentially I found that there was a pretty robust community of people in the software space and in the marketing space that were living on, on Quora. That's, I guess, from a high level view, how I initially got my inroads into it um, when I was kicking things off. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And so to, I have a couple of questions off the back of that, and then maybe we can get to some like tactical plays as well afterwards. But I know, so there's a couple of things. Like one is that one thing that you talked about was the, I think this maybe puts people off Quora, for example. So I'm interested in your thoughts here is like the, the time element, like you said, okay, I was writing maybe five answers a day, every day, seven days a week, for example, if people aren't too used to writing content like or or producing content that may be a slight put off for them but then based on the results that you've had it's pretty clear as to why that time investment was worth it but i want to get into if there's any like tips around that and also around i know one question i had when i first started looking at cora is how to identify the question like not the right questions because there is no right or wrong but like how to identify questions to answer because it sounds like a lot of the early and this might change as time has gone on. I'm not too sure, but a lot of the early benefits came from, okay, people obviously seeing the answers that you provided, but then also people in those like spaces and in those circles networking throughout that element. So there might be some people listening that, okay, maybe their, maybe their buyer isn't necessary. Like maybe their buyer isn't within marketing or is less likely to be like networking in some of those spaces. Do you still see, do you still see it being valuable for those people? Like, let's say, for example, my target persona, the, the person that buys our SaaS software is a, it's like a developer, for example, like one of our clients, their persona is like a localization developer or something like that. I'm sure that was a very specific question for you, but like, I'm not expecting you to know that specific use case, but is it, do you, do you see it as still being fruitful for people outside of the typical people that might spend time on Quora building networks in the spaces, for example? Yeah, it's a great question. So the answer is obviously I can't speak fully to that because as you noted, I have my firsthand experience. I have my data. I've talked to a lot of people on Quora, so I know a little bit outside of that. What I found is the first note is that Quora is pretty big, right? It's I think I believe it's over 300 million users. So the overall size of it in some sense, I think probably means that there's a fairly wide berth of, of user base because of that. Most of the people that I have like from my own experience and people that have been on my course, which I've launched recently, so it's still a fairly small pool. Most of those people have been basically like either SaaS businesses or have been like B2B marketers. So that's where I have like firsthand data feeding back to me. But from that, so, the, so that pool, like I know there's a pretty active engaged base of businesses on there in that sense. And I think there definitely is consumers too. I've seen like people who have success on kind of the consumer side. Part of it, and this is one of the things I always ask people too, is what is your focus around Quora? Because that kind of feeds into your first question about, do I have time for this? I think that for me, what ultimately became the most valuable was twofold. Number one was thought leadership. 
And without a doubt, thought leadership takes a ton of time. Like I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to like, you get thought leadership, like that hit an inflection point for sure. When I was like, probably at, like around a million or maybe even a little more than a million views where I started. So like they have a chorus digest. So they'll feature your answers. They'll say this went out in an email to 500,000 people. Or my last one I got about two weeks ago is my most. I said, this went out to a million people. And, and so it's different. Like I'll get ones all the time that will go out to 5,000 people or 10,000 people. So they basically have all these little like chopped emails that are going out to through their digest and things like that. To me, once I reached that inflection point, that started to, I think, give me a lot. It became a snowball in terms of eyes, but it also opened doors, I think, because I was able to have a lot more kind of attention. But that takes a long time. And that's for sure like a path that takes a long time. But the flip side or the counter to this is I have, say, I've written maybe 900 answers. And of those 900 answers, my best answer has like over 200,000 views of 2 million. So if you do the math, okay, it's pretty weighted. Like you can have an answer that that takes up 10% of my total of 900 answers with one answer. So I think that with that in mind, I have found, like I had a new person who came on and I think it was their second answer that they got over 50,000 views on. So it's definitely not a platform that forces you. Part of this was a little bit of me, right? I was trying to feel out, figure out what worked. I wrote long form answers. I wrote short. I did listicles. I did like blog style contents. I did very personal. Like I, I tried every possible style because I had no idea. And so I was feeling out a little bit of what worked most effectively. So I guess on that front, I would say that if you know what you're doing, I think you could accelerate that process dramatically from what I went through. But I will say that there's there's that side. And then the other side, I think, which also doesn't really require any, I guess this one's much faster, is the networking side. So the networking side, I talked a little bit about spaces and how you can meet people, but Core also has a messaging feature. So I started to notice that people that say we're higher profile on LinkedIn, that they get inundated with a million messages on LinkedIn. And if you try to get into that person's inbox, they're just not, you're not going to be able to get through. But Quora, messaging is like a little bit more, it's not as common right? So it's not like LinkedIn in terms of that. So if you reach out to a person, you have a much better chance from my experience of actually connecting. So if you reach out to get on a webinar, get on a podcast or say, hey, we should do a content collaboration together. You have a lot more visibility. And also what you can do is comments are a really important part of the platform too. So you have some influential person, they post some answer and you can get in the comments and start trying to engage. And that's also how I've definitely set up relationships and set up collaborations too, is like, just get onto their answers. I find that a lot of the people who are the diehard Quora users do that. One, one example of this is there's a guy named Jason Lemkin who writes a lot about SaaS. He's like a, a well-known VC and he's a well-known Quora user. He's like a power user in that space. And I had reached out, tried to get connected with Jason in the past on LinkedIn, but I had not. And he was launching a new thing called like Saster University, where he was basically going to pack in some of his content. I basically connected via Quora, started having a conversation, actually got a bunch of tips back for Bonjoro and had some great feedback. And I don't know if I would have in any other channel been able to have that direct level of connection to someone of his level or caliber without having something that was, I think, a little bit less crowded and maybe again on his quote unquote home turf. I think that's, that, a, that's a really good point because I tried to get hold of him because I wanted to speak at one of their events. I think it was last year. I managed to get hold of him, but it was only because I 
shared something on my LinkedIn and there was like maybe a hundred people that commented it on it or something and tagged him and all this kind of, I didn't ask them to do that, but a lot of, I was like, Hey, I'm trying to get hold of this Jason. He's not going to, he's not responding to my, this. maybe I can take this route. And like, I managed to get hold of him that way, but you're, you're totally right. Like that kind of approach, if they're active on Quora, that makes a ton of sense actually. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that. And, and there's in terms of, so, th- there's, so there's that kind of side of it. So there's connecting with people and there's messaging. And then I think that when it comes to best practices, and obviously in my course, I talk about this very in depth, but just to speak generally of best practices for anyone listening here, because I'd love to give people some as many actionable takeaways as I can. I think it, it starts with share personal stories, share your personal stories. Don't be afraid to like talk about screwing up. Because again, I think it's about like that relatability. If you talk about, hey, I started a podcast and at first it really freaking sucked and nobody watched it. And now it's really good. People relate to that because they're trying to sort content and their podcast maybe is struggling with not a ton of attention. And they want to see that journey that you're going through from top to bottom. And I think that if you choose that style versus just like a listicle style of answers, I think that tends to get more attention. Now, once you have a little more clout, I think having some of that more listicle style can work better. But I think especially when you're starting out, Definitely go for the narrative style when you're trying to build up attention and press. And definitely, I think this is probably one of the most overlooked things for when people start is lean into spaces, lean into ways to proliferate your content. One of the things that actually drew me to Core 2 in the first place, and this is something that's actually been a tenant of mine in marketing, is find places that bring eyes, right? Find outside places that bring eyes to your stuff. That was one of the things, like you right there, you have 300 million users versus you publish on your blog. If you're a smaller company, you might not have a ton of people there. And so it's giving you natural proliferation of the stuff that you're writing and about the content. And definitely the other thing too, do not just go in there again with repurposing your blog content. Don't just go in there and write like straight promotional stuff. Like it's not going to work. Like I, again, I won't go into all the logistics of what they shut down, but basically it's if like Reddit, right? Like it's not as crazy as Reddit. Reddit, it's like super strict. Like they'll just shut it down if it seems promotional. The way that Quora works is, and I don't know the exact algorithm, but it's like a ratio. If you post an answer that has a hundred links and you have two answers only and your answers are both like jam-packed with links, they're just going to pull your answers down. They're just going to get closed. You'll go in one day and your answer's gone. Your views are taken away. And so you have to work to maintain like a healthy ratio of not overlinking, not making it overly promotional, not always linking to the same stuff in order to make sure that content continues to be absorbed at, at maximum velocity. Is that a common mistake that SaaS companies make on Quora? Is like, I, for example, the times when I've been on, like the only times when I go on Quora is like if I'm doing some research for one of our clients, for example, trying to get in the mind of the target persona a little bit better, I look at some of the common questions that they're asking to just try and get myself in that space when we're preparing copy or coming up with ideas for direction on ads, angles and stuff like that. And one thing I notice is that any, I guess this is probably because a lot of the time I'm searching for more high intent search, like search strings or questions, for example, but a lot of the time in the SaaS world, like let's say if I did a search for how to, I don't know, I'm trying to be fairly vague, but like (laughs) generate leads from LinkedIn or something like that. If you do a search for that, I'm pretty sure the first thing I would see on Quora is like someone that's asked that question. And then there'll be, because it's a very broad term, there'll be a lot of answers. And I'm pretty sure if I was to look obviously probably not the top ranked one, but there'll be a load of people that have 
LinkedIn automation tools or softwares that are just yeah. like, the answer is you just use this tool and here's the website. Is, is that something that is that something that people do a lot when they're getting started on Core? Is they just go straight for the high intent bottom of funnel and try and be promotional? And if so, because I think it probably is, like how do you <laughs> me- how do you measure and balance your approach to the questions that you are answering and like how you're identifying which ones to go with because the high intent ones are obviously going to be a lot more competition and more promotional. Like how do you balance that process? I'm interested to find that out. Yeah. I think that my quick answer to that is just avoid it right in the beginning. I think that it's, it's a, like you said, it's a common mistake. And if you go on there, that's a great example, like search a term like that and go look at those answers and look at what's the highest ranked, most views answers. And then look at all the others. Cause like you're saying, you might have, Something that's commonly searched, you might have 150 answers, but you'll see that the top four might make up 80% of the total views. And so that gives you this picture of, yeah, you can go and you can post in. And if it's like a short answer, sure, you can go drop your like LinkedIn automation tool and put in your three sentences and you're going to have eight views on your answer. And if you use, if you use GA and you're actually like looking at the actual amount of traffic, it's not going to be there. I can just tell you, it's not going to be there. So my recommendation for people is build some clout because this is another thing we, we didn't talk about, but they also have this concept of followers, right? When you write good content about a space, you get followers. And that's something like, that's actually one of the things as I was doing a lot of podcasts, which is something that I did during this year, I started to write very like openly about, Hey, here's how I'm connecting with people on podcasts here. I use listen notes to get, I just started documenting my exact process. People were stoked. They were like, hey, this is super valuable. I started getting a lot of followers that were surging in from that question specifically because it was like, how can you expand your marketing without you know, breaking the bank kind of thing? And people are interested in that earned media type of approach. So I think it's, it's just like anything, right? When it comes to content, like, try to be helpful, try to add value. But I think you also do need to know the platform and the platforms are very different. And so I think with Quora, it's very important to be non-promotional. It's very important to just establish that thought leadership. And if you can embed, I've definitely used for sure, like links out to say Bonjour as an example. But number one, I do it sparingly. I probably only linked to Bonjour one out of every 10 answers, maybe, or even less. And number two, I don't just have it be a Bonjour promotional piece. I embed it within, hey, are you trying to have a more personalized onboarding experience. Here's a handful of things you could do. You could send a personal video, you could send a handwritten card, you could do and I'll start listing out a whole bunch of different tactics. And so it's not just like a push towards your product piece. People can understand that, oh, hey, this person's actually trying to give us a more holistic idea of how we could improve that customer experience. So I definitely encourage people to to do that. Also, one thing that you're going to run into in Quora is you're going to find that there's a lot of very similar questions. So you might find that there's 30 people that ask some variant. And one of the temptations when you're starting out is to say, I already spent the time to write this answer. I should just copy this answer and I should paste it 30 times. You're welcome to try it. But what I can tell you is a couple things. Number one, if you don't give attribution to your original answer, there's a good chance that those new answers are going to get shut down. Even if they don't, you're going to find that if you just look at the views for two, say there's an equal number of followers on both questions and you just paste it, the second one that you paste it to, you're going to notice you have a tiny fraction, one-tenth, one-fiftieth of the total amount of attention because Quora, again, penalizes that duplicated content in whatever, again, way their algorithm works. So I think the best way is just to get in there, try to find the questions that you're most uniquely equipped to speak to, and then write robust, good content. And I think, again, from my experience now, 
I would recommend to spend and invest more time on a quality narrative story that I then distributed out versus a super short answer, but doing like a million of them. I think that you're going to get a better bang for your buck in terms of time efficiency. Yeah, that's awesome. Just, I have one more question I want to ask before we start to wrap things up. Do you use anything, any tools or anything like that to help support you with identifying questions to answer? Because the the reason I ask is that I got hit up with a cold email a long time ago by a platform that I actually just liked their cold email. So I've kept an eye on them since. And I remember their whole platform was built around you put in some various different keywords and then it will identify different topics for you on Quora and then it will alert you of any new questions within those topics or areas within those like topic clusters and give you essentially like suggestions. Now, I'm not sure if that's actually helpful or not because it sounds like if you're just focusing on like brand new questions that pop up, for example, that's more of that people using it for that like direct trying to just sell straight away. There's not many people following the answer and stuff like that. Do you use anything that helps you or are you just looking on Quora for things like related to suggestions come up of other questions now that you've been there a while? Like how does that work? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I, there is a couple like specific, say plugins or things, and we can include, I'll give the, those to you so we can include those in like the show notes if people are interested. But I would say overarchingly, for me, I use those fairly lightly. And the reason is most of those are like looking for like specific ratios, for instance, hey, does this question have 20 followers, but only one answer to try to expose that. But again, and this is a much larger conversation, but the the Quora algorithm is is pretty complex. And it's not as simple as just looking at ratios. And there's a lot of factors that kind of go into that. So I have found that's not a perfect proxy. I think most people would be better off searching for something that they just know they have expertise around. So like, for instance, like if it was like how to generate leads on LinkedIn, that's something that you maybe have a lot of experience in. If you search that, it's not only going to show you that answer, but it looks at the keywords. So it'll show you like a whole bunch of top answers and you'll be able to see maybe 20 different variants of that question. And I found for myself, if I just look at like how to reduce churn, SaaS, or like how do I, like a lot of the things that I have more expertise in, I found the best just like searching myself and picking those out versus the automatic generation. It'll expose certain like opportunities. But I think that the challenge is if you don't have a really robust, like if you're looking for answers on Quora, by that trend line, right? Then it's less, I know this topic super well and more, oh, can I speak to that? Like maybe, yeah, I could. You're gaming it a little bit, almost like looking for like certain keywords in SEO and you're trying to like compose this piece, but you're really not like an absolute expert. You're more, oh, I should write about this topic. Let me see if I can spin something up versus like you have deep firsthand experience with this and you're like, absolutely, I can show you how doing X is effective. So my recommendation to people would be to start more from a position of of just searching them out. And the other thing too, is you can follow um, people on Quora. So you can start to see people that you find influential, what kind of questions they're answering. And that's one kind of like almost piggybacking strategy. And they'll even show you like top writers by space or by industry. So that's another thing you can do is again, as part of that, if you're like, I don't even know who I'd look at for B2B marketing, like who do I go to? there are those topics. That's another thing. Again, we won't go fully into it, but there's basically topics and topics have like top writers by topic. And so that's another way that you can get exposure. And another way that when I was doing this, like I got top 10 in the world in SaaS marketing, in SaaS sales, in SaaS overall, like in in about eight different categories at various points. And I've slid out of most of those, but 
but when you do, that also gives you some additional kind of publicity for people exactly like what I just said. They go on and they try to find answers and that gives you more followers, et cetera. That's awesome. You clearly know like a ton about Quora as well as a load of other like things within SaaS marketing. But I know just as we start to wrap up, so you've mentioned earlier on to me, I think before we started this and maybe dropped in a couple of times, but I know you have a course that you've released recently. Is that, I can share that, I would love to share that in the show notes too, but is there like a easy link that you can just read out now that people can go to, or is it best if I just drop it in the, drop it in the notes? Like where can they find out more? Yeah, it's probably easiest to drop in the notes. And and basically what that is, is essentially like, I just compiled all my experience. I wrote like a five module course, primarily focused on like the organic side of kind of, because that's the primary way that I monetize and made most of my money was made through that. But I also touch on the core ads component as well, because we did have some pretty cool success with core ads. So I just like document my whole journey on that and like how I used it. And it birthed from the fact that I actually was just, I went online and I started to research just for my own optimization. I was like, hey, I want to get even better at this. And I found that although there's a handful of places that have written about core ads, there's nothing really that gets into the nuts and the, it's all high level strategy. There's nothing that's, oh, are you like in B2B marketing or SaaS? Like here's 30 specific spaces that you should follow that I follow. Because no one, most times people when they write content, they don't get that specific. But in a way, that's really what people want to know. Because they want to know like, how do I find the right questions? How do I write the best answers? And like, how can I proliferate this as much as possible? So I've tried to like increase that specificity with the blueprint to be like, here's the exact kind of approach to it to help reduce that barrier, if you will. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'll drop the link to that in the show notes. And then anyone listening to to this, we've talked about Bonjuro and how you guys have things structured. I really would recommend that people take a look at what you guys do. Cause I like, we run ads for so many SaaS companies now. And like the biggest challenge with everyone is always how to get better results out of your current out of your current conversion flows before you even think about introducing or trying something new. And I think Bonjuro is a tool that can like really have a big impact there. So I would like, I really want people to, to go ahead and check that. Like usually when we have not to say that like everyone that comes on the podcast is, is great, but like this is, I think Bonjuro is a platform that really answers a pain point that comes up so much with our customers. So I would love more people to know more about you guys. So I would encourage everyone to check that out. I think this has been a, this has been a great episode, Casey. Like, thank you for coming on and sharing some knowledge and experience. Like people will connect with you on LinkedIn or Quora or wherever else and check out your course. We'll make sure we put all of that in the show notes. But yeah, thank you. This was, this was great. I learned, I learned a lot myself too. So that's, that's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, yeah, people are all welcome to reach out if they got questions. Happy to help. 